Welcome to the Truth Hurts program with Steve Z. Turn up the volume and spice up that eggnog. It's not Santa coming to town. Oh, oh, yes! Steve Z and the Truth Hurts program. Welcome to the Truth Hurts program with Steve Z. It is finally Friday, December 22nd, 2023. And you know what that means. It's Friday. Hooray, it's Friday. Today is Friday. Get a clue, Steve. Shut the f*** up, Steve! I hate your voice. I hate you. I just want to do my work. Shut up! Oh my god, I don't care! We'll knock off now and take the next two days off. How's that? Because it's Friday. Friday. I want to share with you an actual phone call that Joe Biden sitting next to his wife, Jill Biden. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm supposed to call her Dr. Jill Biden. Joe Biden sitting on the couch next to Dr. Jill Biden on Christmas Eve, December 24th, 2021. He was taking phone calls from the NORAD Santa tracking hotline telling people, hey, you better watch out, you better not cry, all those Christmas standards. When a caller called the president to talk about his children and what they wanted for Christmas. And at the end of this call, the caller tells Joe Biden, let's go, Brandon. Joe Biden, of course, being too feeble-minded to understand that he had just been called out, just been slammed and insulted by this caller, he agrees and says, I agree, let's go, Brandon, I agree. <laughs> Listen to this, you won't believe it, but I'm going to play it. It's less than a minute. I think you will enjoy this here at the holidays. Um, what about Penelope? Well, Penelope, she, she's only two, so I think she'd be happy oh. with just that. Oh, that's great. Well, that's great. Yeah, oh, that's wonderful that you have a two-year-old. Well, well, have a Merry Christmas. Have a wonderful Christmas. And by the way, you guys have to be in bed by 9 o'clock, you know, and asleep between 9 and 12, or he doesn't show up. This isn't to you, Jared. This is to the kids. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> well, I hope you have a wonderful hey, Christmas. Well, yeah, I hope you guys have a wonderful Christmas as well. Oh, Merry Christmas, you. and let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. I agree. Yeah. Hey, by the way, where are you in Oregon? Where's your home? I think we lost him. Yeah. I think secretly at one point here, Joe had a moment of lucidity after realizing, oh, crap, I've just been slammed and insulted. This guy just said F Joe Biden. And F is the F word that sounds like duck or truck or luck or schmuck, which is Joe Biden. The look on Dr. Jill Biden's face was priceless. She was pissed. And he's like, oh, hey, hey, where are you calling from? In other words, where are you calling from so I can send my thugs, my minions, my armed security to track you down and hunt you down for daring to insult me? 
but the caller had hung up. Let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. I agree. <laughs> hey, by the way, where, are you in Oregon? Where's your home? I think we lost him. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that with all of the resources of the U.S. Secret Service and the NSA and the FBI and the CIA and all of the black ops people that Mr. Biden and his minions have under their control, they probably tracked down this guy who has a two-year-old daughter and a wife and possibly another child or two. That guy probably found himself the victim of a Hillary-style suicide, would be my guess. Yeah, I hope you guys have a wonderful Christmas as well. Okay. Christmas and Let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. I agree. Let's go, Brandon. I agree. I'm not that smart. My siblings have been telling me that for years that I'm not smart. Let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. I agree. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Throwing down that, that, that Christmas cheer for all to hear. Steve C. and the Truth Program. All righty, folks. We're just a few days away from Christmas 2024. And Scrooge, <clears throat> excuse me, Joe Biden, in the White House and his administration are at it again. This time, they're coming after your furnace, your heater, the means of keeping you warm during the cold, wet winter. First, you may recall it was your dishwasher. It was using too much water, too much electricity. Then they came after your toilet for using too much water. Then it became the evil air conditioner. Then the refrigerator, the freezer, the clothes dryer, the washer, and your water heater. They've tried space heater regulations and hair dryer regulations, and now trying their level best to end your usage of certain household appliances that they don't agree with for one reason or another, some made up manufactured lie about efficiency or the use of some fossil fuel they don't like. The Biden administration here at the beginning of winter, the coldest season with a winter that is forecasted to be colder and wetter despite all the lies and cries of global warming and the nation becoming a desert while the coastlines go underwater. Here in the cold, wet dead of winter, Joe Biden and his administration would now like to put more costly and burdensome regulations on your house heating system. The Biden administration finds itself entangled now in a legal battle with the American Gas Association over new regulations impacting gas-powered home furnaces. The lawsuit sheds light on the clash between wacky environmental policies and economic concerns as the American Gas Association argues the rules impose financial burdens on American families with almost zero benefits to the environment. On December 18th of this year, the AGA filed a lawsuit against Biden's Department of Energy challenging the new energy standards for residential furnaces. The Biden administration's regulations make traditional non-condensing natural gas furnaces mainly unavailable to most homes in America. The lawsuit alleges the decision will force families into costly and inconvenient choices when they have to replace their furnaces. And when these furnaces fail, and you know they will, families will face the dilemma of having to retrofit for electric heating which increases their monthly utility bills because electricity is so much more expensive than natural gas, or they'll have to undergo costly renovations to use a different type of natural gas furnace. It is a racist move on the part of the Biden administration 
because these new standards will render the conventional, non-condensing natural gas furnaces that we all have impractical for consumers, compelling them to switch to more expensive electric heating or undergo expensive home adaptations. The changes, particularly in older homes and in low-income neighborhoods, pose significant challenges due to physical limitations and the sheer cost of the retrofit. Biden's Department of Energy's own data proves that it adversely impacts seniors, low-income households, small businesses, and minority communities. The reason behind all of this? It's the so-called global warming, the so-called man-caused climate change lie. According to Stars Insider, a web-only publication, cities that could disappear by 2030 due to rising sea levels is an article that was published this week. Another series of lies, parroting the lies of the 1970s with the phony energy crisis of Democrat Jimmy Carter, the lies of the global ice age that would cripple the planet and cause millions of deaths. Or the lies of the 1980s, when the global warming hoax was first proposed. The lie that said New York, New Orleans, Houston, and Miami would all disappear by 1995. Those cities, by the way, are still dry in case you don't know it. Or how about the lies of Al Gore in the early 2000s, where global warming was going to sink all the coastal cities by 2012? Remember the movie 2012? How about the continued lies of Obama and of Biden from the 2010s through now the 2020s? The same lies rebranded, repackaged with new spokespeople like the little teen twit Greta Thunberg. But okay, it's the end of the year, so let me get into this actual article for just a moment. It begins, Climate Central, the organization that researches the impact of climate change, including sea level rise and coastal flooding, has created a map that shows which part of the world could find themselves threatened by rising sea levels. First on the list was New Orleans, still dry. New Orleans was built below sea level. It's why the Army Corps of Engineers built the levees over a century ago. It's why they have massive pumps to keep the water out. It's nothing to do with sea level rise. It's just the way it has always been. The next city on their list was Basra, Iraq. No loss there, moving on. Ho Chi Minh City, Vietnam. Was a swamp, is a swamp, will always be a swamp. Next. Amsterdam, the Netherlands. Duh, another city built below sea level with giant dikes. And I'm not just talking about those women with the lesbian limp. I'm talking about the giant levees and the dams and the dikes that keep the water out. Once again, they've always dealt with floods. They always have, they always will. It's not global warming. It's not sea level rising. They mentioned Savannah, Georgia, sitting in a hurricane hotspot. But even without extreme weather, they claim the historic city could see land swallowed up by the sea. Been hearing that since the Revolutionary War. Moving on. Kolkata, India. Okay. Massive population increases, forcing water into places where they used to seep into the ground, not sea level rise. Next. Nagoya, Japan. Again, same thing as Kolkata. Not a sea level rise issue. This place has flooded literally for centuries when the typhoons hit. And then the water goes out, like it always has. How about Malé in the Maldives, an island nation on the ocean that is sinking. It's not a victim of sea level rise. They've built massive skyscraper condos and hotels everywhere. It's on the ocean, which by the way is not rising. They always mention Venice, Italy, the city that is sinking two millimeters every year and has been since Leonardo da Vinci's time. Sea level rise is not the issue. 
Next, they mention Bangkok, Thailand. The same as Venice, but in fact, it's sinking faster than Venice. It's not a sea level rise issue. Nice try. Then they mention Bangladesh's third largest city, Kuna, which is 29 feet above sea level. They claim that it is alarming considering climate change. I have news for you all. If the sea levels rise 29 feet, the entire world will be trying to book passage on the next Noah's Ark. Here's another climate alarmist joke. For centuries, the capital of Guyana, Georgetown, has relied on seawalls for protection from storms, especially one gigantic 280-mile-long seawall. Key phrase here is for centuries, meaning mankind has had nothing to do with this. No global warming, no climate change caused by man, no sea level rise. For centuries, Guyana's capital, Georgetown, has relied on seawalls. Hey, they can build a 280-mile-long wall. How come Joe Biden can't? You see, the truth does eventually seep out. You want to guilt Chinese a little bit? Let's do it. Dandong, China, located on the Yalu River. This northeastern city looks out over to North Korea, and there is a potential, the article says, of below-tide-level area becoming submerged. Keyword, potential. If something happens that we know is not happening. Finally, they mention the Indonesian city of Banjarmasin. It's built largely below sea level. Key words there. Built below sea level on a swampy delta near the Barito River. It's been around for centuries, so you can't blame my F-250 if this place goes underwater. It's known as the city of a thousand rivers. This city is the center for indigenous culture which they say risks being impacted by potential rising sea level. They know where they live. They keep having sex and reproducing. They know what they're in for. All right, let's move on. I'm seeing a trend developing in the automotive dealership world of the United States of America. Yesterday, you may recall, I mentioned that nearly half of all Buick dealerships in the United States have elected to take a buyout from General Motors instead of being forced into selling electric vehicles. Today, business insider's Graham Rapier has published an article entitled, Half of Ford's Dealers Still Don't Want to Sell Electric Cars and Trucks. And they shouldn't have to. As sales of battery-powered cars and trucks cool amid stubbornly high prices, many Ford dealerships aren't willing to take the leap to invest in selling them. Just over half of Ford's nearly 3,000 U.S. dealerships have opted out of the investments necessary to sell electric vehicles like the F-150 Lightning and the Mustang Mach-E, which is not a Mustang at all. It's an SUV electric vehicle. The Detroit Free Press reported this and Ford has confirmed. Instead, some dealers will stick to traditional combustion engines and hybrids, which are soaring in popularity as Americans flirt with lowering their gasoline costs without having to take the full leap into unreliable, electric-only vehicles. There's a certification program that can cost up to a million dollars per dealership. It has landed the Ford Motor Company in several lawsuits. Why? The cars and trucks are not selling and the dealers don't want to invest in a losing proposition. They are, after all, in business to make a profit, right? This after Ford had scaled back productions of the all-electric F-150 Lightning after temporarily cutting a shift of production in October. The company sold only 16,000 electric trucks in the first nine months of this year, a tiny fraction of the 570,000 
F-Series vehicles it sold in the same period. They've also postponed, canceled, a $12 billion investment in EV manufacturing amid the sales slowdown. Ford's relationship with dealers has taken a hit since the company started enforcing their new EV requirements, and Ford Motor Company came in dead last in a recent survey of dealers' trust in their franchises. 46% of Ford dealers say they have no trust. Meanwhile, over at Tesla, Alex Fabiano writes, Biden gives Americans a financial incentive to not buy a Tesla. Starting on January 1st, 2024, just a few short days from today, the U.S. government will begin enforcing updated federal tax credit guidelines for electric vehicles. This move has sparked backlash and speculation about the Biden administration's ulterior motives as the change will affect one of the most popular models from the best-selling EV maker in the U.S. Under the revised provisions of Biden's own namesake Inflation Reduction Act, which never reduced inflation at all, the eligibility criteria for the coveted $7,500 tax credit will tighten, sidelining popular models like Tesla's Model 3 rear-wheel drive and the Model 3 Long Range. Beginning January 1st, just a few short days away, clean vehicles with battery components or critical minerals linked to foreign entities of concern like China will no longer be eligible for the full tax credit. Oops, there goes any and all incentive to buy a Muskmobile. Tesla sources much of its battery componentry from child labor slave market hellholes. The Treasury Department and the IRS earlier this month released new guidelines aimed at invigorating domestic manufacturing and fortifying supply chains against foreign entities of concern, like Russia, North Korea, China, and Iran. But American companies are wary of investing the hundreds of billions of dollars necessary to produce components here in the U.S. Why? First, we don't have the natural resources. Second, our labor costs are astronomical compared to little Hubutu or Mario Sola digging in the dirt with their bare hands at the tender age of seven. Third, the market itself is flawed, the technology is flawed, the overall scheme of electric vehicles is massively flawed. One desperate dealer has posted on Twitter, quote, Tesla has received updated guidance from the IRS, the Model 3 RWD and Long Range will lose the entire $7,500 federal EV credit starting January 1, 2024. Tesla previously thought the EV credit for those trims would be cut to $37.50, but now their interpretation is zero. Take delivery by December 31st, 2023 for the full tax credit. Hmm. The impending revisions to the EV tax credit system have implications for Tesla's market share and for consumer choices, rendering the affected Tesla models effectively now $7,500 more expensive coming January 1st compared to their price December 31st of this year. Let's go, Brandon. Jamming those jingle bells this holiday season like no one else. It's Steve C. and the Truthwoods Program. Meanwhile, in the liberal, regressive, progressive state of Maine, Maine, the state, was forced to delay a vote on the electric vehicle mandate amidst widespread electrical power outages. Now that there is karma at its finest. A top Maine state environmental agency delayed a highly anticipated vote 
to approve a sweeping electric vehicle mandate in the middle of a storm that caused widespread electric power outages. The Maine Board of Environmental Protection, BEP, announced that it had indefinitely postponed the meeting, which was slated for Thursday afternoon until further notice after the storm hit. Democratic Maine Governor Janet Mills, who has pursued an aggressive so-called green energy agenda, declared a state of emergency this week, an action that closed all state government offices. They want to force you to drive electric vehicles, and they wanted to have a vote on the issue, but Mother Nature left more than 400,000 residents without essential electrical power. How are you supposed to charge your electric car when there's no electricity? The Maine BEP said in a statement, quote, Governor Janet Mills declared a state of civil emergency for 14 Maine counties following a significant wind and rainstorm that has left hundreds of thousands of people without power and that has caused significant flooding and infrastructure damage, including to town and state roadways, in consideration of the challenges facing Maine citizens who may wish to participate in the upcoming board meeting. The board is postponing its meetings scheduled for December 21st. Critics of the aggressive EV requirements have warned that the U.S. power grid is currently unequipped to handle the significantly increased demand and power load that would be generated by widespread adoption of electric vehicles. They've also argued successfully that power outages triggered by both storms and low power supplies could render large swaths of an electrified transportation sector useless. Meanwhile, just a little ways south of Maine is the New York City. And New York City Mayor Eric Adams is now blaming rats, rodents, as a big reason that New Yorkers are fleeing in droves. I think Mayor Eric Adams is correct. Rats are driving people out of New York, but it's not the furry little creatures with the long tails, the buck teeth, and the furry pelts. Rats in political office are the likely cause of New Yorkers leaving the big rotten apple and the state itself. Oh, it couldn't possibly be the hundreds of thousands of illegal immigrants, the massive crime wave, the low bail, no bail, no prosecution of criminals, especially low-income minority criminals. It couldn't possibly be the oppressive taxation, the regulation, the overburdening of business owners. It couldn't possibly be the high cost of living the crowded, crime-ridden circumstances of the population, the infrastructure nightmare, the poverty, the drug use, the gun murders in a gun-free city, mind you. Let's blame it on the rodents. I know. Let's get Kenny G to do a concert, walking down the street, Pied Piper style. The rats will simply follow him down to the ocean. You know, the ocean with the rising sea levels. And the rats will simply drown. New York City is a joke. According to this article, Eric Adams is blaming rats along with the cost of living and COVID-19 as big reasons why New Yorkers are fleeing in droves, according to a recent report. His honor pointed the finger at the Big Apple's notorious rodent population after a sobering new U.S. Census Bureau statistic revealed that nearly 102,000 people hightailed it out of the Empire State in the last year. Mayor Adams said, quote, some people who have children and family decide they want to go to a place where their children can play outdoors, larger green spaces, and you want to see animals. You don't see animals except for rats in New York. Adams said this when he was asked about the plunging population data. He added, there's a combination of things. We are getting rid of the rats, by the way. I hate rats. He says he's fixated on killing them. He even established the city's first ever rat czar 
to help stamp out Gotham's pesky vermin population. We don't want people to leave, but people are also moving into the city, he said. You know, I'll see first-time New Yorkers over and over again. People are moving in, and they have. 152,000 migrants, we get them a job. They become workers. They become part of the economy. And, like other immigrant groups, have become part of the economy. Sure, Eric Adams, send out your tax-paying citizens. Send away your business owners. Bring in the illegals. It's a Democrat Party thing. They'll find a way to get these people on the voting rolls and voila! Instant Democrat Party votes. The rats are in City Hall. And of course, as always, there's a rat in the White House. The new television series Rat in the White House premieres tonight after the gangbang theory on GBS, the government broadcasting system. This is not your average celebrity game show. It's not a cooking show. It's not even a mystery. Rat in the White House stars gropey Joe Biden, the rat who skulks around like an Alzheimer's patient desperately trying to fit in. Co-starring head ho Camel Toe Harris with special guest appearances by Nazi Nancy Pelosi, Chuckles the Clown Schumer, and others. Rat in the White House does his best to try and read teleprompters, cue cards, and listen to the voices in his head. The one speaking to him from his hearing aids. This rat is up to no good and he doesn't even realize it. Look for Rat in the White House coming to the back of a milk carton near you. Stay tuned for an all new Wiped Out, the show that proves America is on the decline as it gets wiped out by the Democrats. That's all tonight starting at 7 on GBS, the government broadcasting system. Now Mayor Eric Adams may want you to believe that the illegal, trespassing, law-breaking, criminal, invading migrants are working and therefore paying taxes some kind of way. We know it's not income taxes because they don't have social security numbers. They may be paying sales taxes on their tortillas, on their Coca-Colas, but they're not paying taxes like you and I are forced to pay taxes. State of the Union's Jordan Andrews writes, study finds nearly three out of five illegal alien households are on taxpayer-funded welfare. A recent analysis by the Center for Immigration Studies reveals that nearly 60% of households led by illegal immigrants use some form of welfare, while about 52% of households led by illegal immigrants also use welfare compared to fewer than 40% of native-born American households. The study highlights that immigrant-led households use more food stamps, more Medicaid benefits, and more of the earned income tax credit than native-born households. The report comes as the foreign-born population of the U.S. reaches record highs under gropey Joe Biden, with an increase of nearly 8 million that we know of since gropey Joe Biden and Camel Toe Harris took office. Information in that study shows that American voters continuously tell pollsters they want to cut overall immigration, even legal immigration. The latest survey from Rasmussen reports showed that 56% of likely voters want immigration levels cut by at least three quarters of a million per year, including a plurality who say that we should allow less than half a million into the country, even legally, each year. These findings coincide with ongoing public sentiment, which favor reductions in overall immigration levels. But Joe Biden needs those immigrants because he's hoping they'll vote Democrat. I believe he's losing the black vote and he needs the illegal immigrant vote in order to try and keep Democrats in power. Andy Rodriguez writes, Biden's ads targeting black people are not working, according to a Democrat analyst. I believe that. You can't continue to lie to black people, telling them that you and the Democrats are helping them out, 
after you foist upon them almost 18% inflation for everything they buy on average. Washington Examiner writes, four times the Democrats have backed something that came back to bite them. Recent initiatives from Democrats to strengthen their policies and attempt to weaken the Republicans will yield unintended consequences and further divide the party. This year, Democrats supported efforts to stop former President Donald Trump's momentum, questioning his ballot eligibility and hitting the front runner with four indictments. During the same time, the tables have turned on Joe Biden after he failed to achieve major student debt cancellation and received heavy backlash on progressive issues. In a historic decision Tuesday, the Colorado Supreme Court ruled that Trump is not eligible to hold office based on the Constitution's insurrection clause, but Donald Trump has not been convicted of insurrection. So the Supreme Court will overturn that decision. You will see Donald Trump on the ballot. Trump is using those indictments to his advantage. Meanwhile, Biden has snubbed his voter base by failing in his student loan forgiveness program. And there's a massive backlash against Biden's DEI and ESG programs. It's all coming back to bite him on the ass as it should. Okay, gang, I've run out of time for this edition of the Truth Hurts program with Steve Z. Go out there and make it a great day. Right after this is uploaded, I will upload part three of eight 30 minutes of my award-winning copyrighted parody commercials and songs for your listening pleasure. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, Happy Hanukkah, and to any of the other holidays you guys might celebrate, enjoy yourselves. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening. Copyright 2023, the Truth Hurts Program Network, all rights reserved. Background music courtesy of Jason Shaw and Audionautics. This program was pre-recorded.